Welcome to the Student of the Game Fire Podcast with your host, Danny B. Today's guest is Matt Ballard, 27 years of career and volunteer experience. Recently promoted engineer slash paramedic with Balch Springs Fire Department in Texas, just east of Dallas. Matt is the creator and owner of Free Burn Podcast, which was started to help brothers and sisters in the first responder community struggling with mental illness and in need of resources. Matt also does speaking engagements on mental health awareness for first responders and shares his journey with mental health. With that, I present Mr. Matt Ballard. It's Matt Ballard, a five, or a now engineer, recently promoted engineer, uh, paramedic for the city of Balt Springs. I've uh, been there for 22 years, and um, I got started in the fire service as a volunteer, um, kind of late in life, later than most. I think I was 20. 425 whenever I got started as a volunteer did that for four or five years and then uh decided that I want to do it as a career and uh, went to fire academy went to EMT school and started testing everywhere I could just like everybody does and I think Balt Springs was the 13th place I tested and got hired and I've been there ever since okay wow you took a lot of exams 13 a lot, bro. I'm not a great test taker. <laughs> I, I I share that with you. I'm not. I'm not either. So, but yeah. no, that's 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 a lot. That's a that's man. Good. I was, yeah, I was literally like testing everywhere that I could, you know, in the in the Dallas Fort Worth metroplex. Okay, and uh, ended up landing in Balt Springs. Man, it's been a it's been a uh, heck of a ride, and now I know it's been a blessing in my life. You know, being in that department. So, yeah. Right. Okay. Yep. Okay. Um. For those that don't know, can you tell us a little bit about your department? So, Balt Springs, uh, we're on the east side of Dallas. We border Mesquite, Dallas, and uh, Seagullville, and 10 square miles. So, very small, very small town. I'd say they say that the um, population is 25,000. We're saying it's probably a little bit more than that. Okay. Uh, we, ha- we have uh, two major thoroughfares that run through 635, Interstate 635 and uh interstate 20 so uh that keeps us busy for sure um our call volume is about four thousand out of one one station uh per year i think we were three thousand nine hundred ninety nine out of that one one station so we're, we're fairly busy uh we don't run our own ambulance uh we first respond with a privatized ambulance company so um yeah we're 30 guys it's a very small department um but we're busy yeah okay. Okay. Uh, how many shifts? Three shifts. Three shifts, A, B, and C. Okay. And uh, your schedule? Uh, for the first 20 years or 20, probably 21 years, I was 24, 48. Now we're working 48, 96s. We just switched over that. We're almost done with our one-year trial period on that. We're probably going to more than likely stay with it, the 48, 96. Okay. Well, perfect, yeah. perfect question to ask. Since yeah. you've done the 24, 48 and you've done it for a while, Mm-hmm. When the decision was brought up to, hey, let's try this, what was the consensus of most of the department at first? Heck no. Okay. And now that you you said you're almost at your one-year trial period, your yeah. honest opinion, because like I said, this, this is a major talk in various departments, including my own. So how yep. do you feel about it now? Well, I can tell you my personal 
feelings on it. And then I'll get more into Mm -hmm. more of a department end of it. Like my personal feelings, when we first started talking about going to that and keep in mind, 20 years in, I didn't want to, I'd worked at 2448, right. You know, for 20 years, you know? So when they started talking about the 4896, I was one of the ones that was like, heck no, man, I don't even want to consider it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Um, But I learned real quick that you got to do your own research kind of thing. So I dove into it, did as much research as I could from a mental health aspect, just a, you know, from a family, looked at every part that I could. Right. Right. And and how it affects us. So um, it brought me around, you know, thinking, well, maybe this isn't so bad, you know, and to, to, it opened me up to want to try it, you know, and just see what it was all about. Cause there's a lot of departments that are going to it. So it's gotta be something there. Right. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. um, it was, it was balked by a lot of guys in our department in the beginning. And uh, we just started putting out as much information as we could, positives and negatives, and had another department that had been working that for a while come over. Him and his wife actually came to the came to the station and kind of did a, I don't know if you want to call it a presentation or whatever, but talked about the 4896s versus 2448s. Okay. I think they, they had been working on it, working it for a while. But uh, so we, we just brought in as much information as we could to to inform the guys, you know, and um started talking to the chief and he's like, well, I think it was, I think he wanted us to have 70% vote for it. Right. For us to do the trial period. Right. 70 or 75. I don't remember exactly, but uh, we met that, we met that number and um, started the trial period. You know, there are days that, you know, being there for 48 hours, it can be a little bit rough. It just depends. It really depends on how, how busy of a, of a department you are. Right. Absolutely. Right. Right. Like with us not running an ambulance, we do first respond. Right. So the, the only, I mean, obviously, you know, the difference in we're not actually going to the hospital as firefighters, you know, mm-hmm. we're, we're, mm-hmm. we're, we're, sometimes we do, if it's like a major trauma or CPR, right. <clears throat> we're coming back to the station and, and getting back in bed for the most part. But, uh, so it can be different for those departments that are running ambulances. Right. Um, going into it, we kind of had a an agreement, I guess you could say, that like people that were on that squad and running ambulance calls or chasing the ambulance, um, if they felt like they needed to be pulled off, right, for the second half, then we would accommodate that for the most part, right? So there's give and take there when you're going to a forty-eight ninety-six. Now the four days off, man. It makes it worth it, honestly, you know, because you, you spend more time with your family. You're, you're working the same amount of hours, but it, you got more consecutive days off with At your home. family. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, and, and so I'm going to play devil's advocate because uh, I'm sure there's going to be anyone listening who's probably going to be like, well, I work a, a part time job. So mm-hmm. how, if, if, if any of your members or if you do work a part time job, how does that play into effect as well? Like I don't work a part-time job other than doing my free burn stuff. Right. Which for me doing my free burn stuff, it frees me up to be able to go in and, you know, talk to other departments or, you know, rookie academies or whatever. We'll get more into that later, but it does give me more time. Right. I feel like it does to be able to schedule that stuff. And, um, you know, there's some guys that it kind of affects them in a negative way on their part-time stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, like we got one guy or a couple of guys on my shift that, uh, have a, uh, part-time job. 
um, business and they're both on the same shift. So Mm -hmm. they're stuck there for 48 hours. Right. So that's two days that they're not being able to do their business. Right. And the way that scheduling stuff works for them, it can kind of, it can kind of mess with them a little bit, but um, you're going to have those ones that are not going to like it no matter what. Right. 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 And then, but for the most part, the majority, I think uh, everybody that I know of likes it. Okay. You know, that I know of. Okay. There are a few, there are, there are a few that you're not going to change their mind on it. Right. Okay. Right. Right. No, I mean, you, I mean, you always have that, but it's just one of those, cause I mean, your, your, your station or your department kind of fits mine. We don't, we have a squad, but they're only daylight hours. They go out of service at like four four fifteen or something like that. So like uh, the rest of the department, we're, we're all first responders. We don't run a paramedic system. Uh, and our busy, our busy two stations, uh, yeah. just, I mean, it's, it's one of those things like you'll have individuals that'll be like, you know, well, what if we're up all night and things of that nature and granted, yeah, we have my personal belief. We have about two engines that, that decently run some calls after midnight, but it's not yeah. all the time. I mean, I'm going to be like a hundred percent transparent and real. It's not all the time. So yep. I just wanted to just get your take on doing that switch yeah i mean it's it's definitely different but it's like the big difference is obviously obviously being there for 48 hours 40 i mean hours. right guys that are working 24 48s i mean here's look at it like this right when you work an overtime shift you're there for 48 hours correct mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so the difference is you're working a 48 hours on a 24 48 you're getting one day off right and you're coming right back to work yeah so that's that's the big difference you know being there for 48 hours is not so bad for the most part right mm-hmm. it's the it's the not having the time to recuperate when you're on a 24 48 uh-huh. and you're, you're spinning right back on duty right yeah yeah so and that goes that goes into mental health stuff i mean how far do you want to go into it right yeah no i, I totally get on, it i totally get it on resets and you know your body resetting your your uh, your sleep cycles resetting all that stuff you know the forty eight ninety six I think in my opinion it's just uh, it's superior to the twenty four forty eight but that's just my opinion I like it okay no I mean so I I will have to agree with you like with the twenty four forty eight you're never truly like off like you get off that morning and then if you're an individual where you work a part time job then you go to that part time job and hopefully you go home that night. Yep. Just to get ready because that next day you're preparing yourself to go in back to work the next the following day. So I, I yeah. totally get that. There really is no rest period in there unless you mm. take off every so often and then you kind of have a little stretch of a break. Yeah. But uh okay. Okay. And the and the best part is you take a tour off, right? We call mm-hmm. a tour a 48, right? Mm-hmm. You take a tour off, you're getting 10 days off. It's crazy. It's like you, you almost don't want to take your PTO time. I don't know how y'all do it, but like vacation time and stuff like that. But for us, we call it PTO time. Okay. So you're getting so many days off, man. It's like, you're ready to go back to work. You're recharged. You're ready to see your brothers and sisters at the station again. Right. Right. So, and it, it, I don't know, man, it's just for me, even being 22 years in thinking that I was not going to like it. Yeah, there's days, you know, I'm like, crap, I don't want to be here for 48 hours. After right. That first, after that four, first 24, you're like, man, I'm ready to go to the house. <laughs> you, you still have those days, right? Right, right. But 
on those four days off, uh, <laughs> yeah, it changes your mind really quick, you know? Okay. So, okay. All right. Um, and, uh, so, um, you said Balt Springs has one, one fire station, one fire station. What's housed in that station? So we run two engines, right? A squad and a ladder and uh, a brush truck and a battalion, battalion vehicle. So we're we're stacked we're okay. stacked deep inside that one house. Uh, how many personnel in that on, on a shift? Ten per shift. Ten per shift. So yep. what's your what's your uh, what's actually staffed then during the day? So minimum manning is eight per shift. So uh, we typically have two guys off for PTO, vacation, whatever, and then but our minimum manning is eight, and then we'll run uh, three on engine two, right, which is our first out engine. Mm-hmm. Two two on a squad, which chases the ambulance. Uh, ladder runs two, and the uh, the second out engine or engine three, um, the squad guys will rotate off and on to that, depending on what type of call it is. It sucks that we do it like that, but manpower wise, it's the only way that we we can do it. We don't man that engine unless it's a fire, <clears throat> uh, um, you know, major accident or something like something big. Okay. So. Okay. Yeah. Um, and your squad, is it is it just a pickup? It's a pickup truck with a camper on it, run our medical gear in the back. Um <clears throat> yeah, and it runs all runs all medicals. It runs all medical. So so all unless medicals. unless they're out on another call, the, then the engine or the ladder will, will pick up the medical. So if squad's out on a call on a medical, engine two will run second out medical. Gotcha. Our first out engine on fires. Uh, car wrecks, you know, major accidents, whatever. Um, it runs first out on all those and then second out on medicals. Okay. Um, so if a first due structural box comes out, mm-hmm. what's going out the door? Uh, the engine two, a ladder, uh, and then engine three, if the squad is in house, if the squad is not in house and they're on, on a medical call, then we take the squad there and they become rescue. Okay. First in rescue. Okay. And um, any mutual aid coming in? Depends on what we have. I mean, we fought a lot of fire with Dallas. They'll come to our city. We don't really go to their city because I mean, they're, they're stacked deep, you know, Mm -hmm. they got, Mm -hmm. they got plenty of, plenty of buzz over there, but uh, Seagullville, we, we will go to them sometimes. They're a smaller city just South of us. Uh, We will go to them sometimes and they'll come to us sometimes. And the mesquite will mutual aid us sometimes too. Okay. So, so, but so typically on a standard residential structure fire, it's just Bald Springs. That's it. That's it, brother. Wow. Okay. It's us. We're a very, uh, we are a very aggressive fire department. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And you did mention you have a battalion chief too. Yes, we do have so, a battalion chief. So the bat- battalion chief arrive, he'll assume command and, and, t- yes. and, and take it from there. Yeah. He'll actually be first out and then we'll, you know, he'll get there and size up scene and, and uh, do do his uh, magic, and then tell us what we got, and then we're we're there and breaking windows, man, and getting ready to do it. Okay. So, yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, I always just like to ask because it's a single station apartment. So, yep. If a uh, pretty good motor vehicle accident comes out, which truck carries tools, or, or all of them have tools? So, uh, ladder usually. Do it. Usually carries the tools. We just got a new set of tools. So engine will be carrying tools now, but in the, you know, for as long as I've been there, it's always been the ladders done the, 
you know, typical truck, truck work type stuff, but a rescue type stuff. So okay. our ladder carries the tools. Okay. Okay. And yep. that's um, manned with two. Two. Yes. Yeah. A, a driver and a firefighter or driver captain. So lieutenant right now. Okay. So, Lieutenant's on the ladder. Yeah. And we just, we just tested for like, we've never had lieutenants. We've never had drivers. Right. And I'll tell you our structure real quick. Okay. Sure. Um, so our structure is battalion chief, captain, our old structure was battalion chief, captain, firefighter, right? We just tested for lieutenants and uh, drivers. We've never had those before. So we just promoted uh, six lieutenants, nine drivers. So now the structure is uh, our engine, engine two, which is first out, will run a driver, a captain, and a firefighter in the back. And then... Ladder will run uh, driver and um, lieutenant. Squad will run driver, lieutenant. Okay. That's probably going to change once we get our new apparatus in. We just, uh, it's it's in process right now. We have a ladder and a a new ladder and a new uh, engine coming. So the, the, I think the chief is wanting to pull squad out, get rid of squad and then run uh, two engines and the ladder so probably what they're talking about what they're talking about doing is uh moving captain over the ladder right so it'd be driver captain and then the two lieutenants run engines and they'll swap medical calls back and forth like one will cover he's wanting to divide the city basically is what he's wanting to do and then one engine cover one side of the city other engine cover the other side of the city the goal the goal is to get our second station gotcha so we kind of did it in reverse order. He's trying to do officers and manpower first and then new station after. Okay. So. Okay. All right. And uh, I'm sure you'll see those apparatus in like the year 2030. <laughs> At the rate yep. we're going. <laughs> if, if we're lucky. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. It's, it's, okay. it's crazy, man. Like we, we went with Pierce. So oh, yeah. we're, we're a little over a year in right now. So uh-huh. we're getting close. I think they're fixing to go on the line. Okay. So we're getting close, but um, yeah, who knows, man? I mean, it's, it's crazy right now, yeah. you know, as far, as far as apparatus and everything. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so now that I got those questions out the way. Um, uh, for those, for those that don't know, uh, Matt Ballard is uh, the creator and host of free burn podcast. Uh, it's a, it's a podcast that focuses uh, a lot on mental health, wellness, truly yep. being there for each other, for first responders and things of that nature. So my question to you and, and the floor will be yours is how did this spark that this interest of Freeburn come about? Okay. Uh, how much time do I have? No, I'm just playing. <laughs> <laughs> So, so how Freeburn got started actually was, um, 2016, I kind of went through some mental health stuff on my, on my, you know, personal life. So, um, didn't really know what was going on with me. Um, anxiety kicked up, never really had anxiety that I knew of at the time. Um, ended up going to the doctor, try to figure out what was going on with me. Uh, he ended up putting me on medication I was off for three months, I believe, that first time. Went to a couple of counseling sessions. And keep in mind that, you know, 
back in 2016, it was just something you didn't really talk about. It's kind of taboo, right? right, right. It was that uh, that stigma, quote mm-hmm. unquote, that that was with the mental health stuff. And um, so, rocked on. It was around Christmas time, the first time that I went through it. Uh, I went back on duty. Let me think. It was around March, I believe. Whenever uh, I went back on duty, medicine medicine kicked in. Basically, started working for me. Right, I was taking an SSRI which is an antidepressant. So went back to work. Uh, I was on B shift at that time. Um, had a, had a kind of rocky relationship with uh, some people on that shift. Right. Um, and it's, a lot of it was due to some of the stuff that I was going through. Right. Um, it affected me in negative ways. I mean, just to be honest with you, uh, there were times I could be pretty brash and, you know, quote unquote, uh, an asshole, excuse my mm-hmm. language. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I could be, I could be that guy. And, uh, there were certain things, man, that would keep me off. And I didn't understand really what was causing all that stuff until later on. Right. Uh, not trying to make excuses for it, but, uh, there was a reason that it drove me that way. Right. So <clears throat> fast forward five years, medicine stops working. And, um, I I'd sh- uh, changed shifts at that time, went to C shift um, because of some stuff that had happened on my previous shift. It was just, it was time for me to have a change, right? Time for both people on that shift and me to have that change. Okay. Probably, probably one of the best things that I could have done for myself, right? And my family. So um, change shifts, medicine stops working. Long story short, uh, it, my anxiety started picking back up again and I couldn't figure out what the heck was going on? You know, I'm, I'm on medication. I hadn't really dealt with none of this for the past four or five years. And lo and behold, it's reared his ugly head again. Right. So, um, I go back to my doctor and it's like, yeah, medicine, medicine's probably pooped out. Quote unquote is what he's saying. Okay. It's not, it's not working like it's supposed to. So we're going to swap. We're going to change medicines, man. It was, it was a rocky road from that point on. Right. And, um, Changes my medicines. I, I basically he tells me go home, stop taking this one medication, start the new medication. Well, anybody that has taken any kind of SSRIs knows that you cannot do that, right? You have to wean yourself off of those medications. I didn't do that. So back up just a little bit. Whenever my anxiety started picking back up, I immediately sought help for counseling to try to find a trauma counselor. Right. Because I knew I knew from taking some classes and stuff in between the first and second time, a little bit more about mental health and the fire service and uh, kind of some of the stuff that we deal with and how to take care of some of that stuff. Right. right. So that was in the back of my mind. Thank God. Um, I had sought counseling help. So I had already started going back to counseling before we did the med switch. OK. Did the med switch and uh, man, it, it sent me into a tailspin. Right. I mean, it was probably, well, it was the worst time of my, of my life. So, um, ended up taking doctor pulled me, pulls me off of work again. Okay. For the second time and, uh, trying to get these medications to work. Well, I knew whenever they switched me that, uh, something wasn't right as far as the medication, you know? So it gets to a point to where he's basically like, man, there's nothing else. I can do right. You're going to have to go see somebody else. 
So it crushed me, right? When you have your physician that you've been with for 20 years and he's telling you, hey, there's nothing else I can do for you, right? The medicine is just not working. Uh, you're going to have to go seek help somewhere else. So what what does that look like? Am I going to have to go to, you know, into an inpatient hospital? Am I going to have to go to a psychiatrist, psychologist, whatever it is? So scared the crap out of me, dude. I mean, you know, you got three beautiful girls, my wife. And they're holding on to me for everything that I've got. I was having suicide ideations. I mean, you name it, dude. You know, I was, if it wasn't been for the Lord and my wife, I don't know. I don't know what would happen. You know, I don't even want to think about what would happen. So um, about two months into that, just a roller coaster, man, you know, wasn't sleeping, uh, high anxiety, high depression, uh, just having a horrible time, right? And uh, being off of work, not knowing what the guys at the station are thinking, you know, mm -hmm. uh, our department didn't have any resources for that type of stuff. Right. Like peer programs, uh, clinicians that were vetted. They didn't have none of that stuff. Right. So I was basically on my own. Right. I mean, they were there to support me and was like, hey, don't worry about your job. You're you're uh, you're good. Right. I had fourteen hundred hours of sick time banked up. Thank God you know, whenever I went out and uh, I ended up burning a little over 700 hours of that sick time. So it just kind of tells you how long I was out. Right. So um, ended up going to found another doctor that was a psychologist slash nurse practitioner, basically to try to get my medicine. Right. So I was, you know, I was already in counseling uh, doing some, some type of trauma counseling. Right. Um, the main thing was trying to get my medicines right. But immediately, whenever I found this new doctor, she pulls me off the medicine and it was the wrong medicine. I shouldn't have been on that medicine. Okay. Right. So it was a SNRI that they put me on. That's not what I needed. I needed another SSRI. So they put me on another SSRI uh, in a very low dose this time. And it was basically the way that they explained it to me, they wanted the therapy to take over the stuff that I was dealing with, not the medicine, the medicine. You know, some people have to take medicine. Some people don't, they don't, the best thing to do from what, from what I understand is not cap that stuff off with the medication because that trauma is still underlying. Does that make sense? Yep. So kept me on a low dose of the medication. And then I really started digging into uh, the um, therapy stuff. Right. Uh, Ended up our association president found a outpatient place uh, up here in North Dallas called three FTL three for the love. Her husband is a Frisco firefighter that lost a really close friend of his that happened to be his captain and went through some stuff, similar stuff. Right. And uh, they ended up starting this nonprofit and I actually went through their program, all outpatient stuff, but they, they have vetted clinicians, they have vetted doctors that are culturally competent for firefighters and police officers in EMS, which makes a huge difference. Absolutely. So um, went through their program. I remember going up there on day one and they do an extensive blood work on you, blood panel. And they, anything that you're lacking or have too much of, they try to fix it. Cause it could be something as simple as a chemical imbalance. Right. And okay. that, that played a part with me too, because low testosterone was one of mine. Right. And I had uh, um, my estrogen levels were a little high. So 
basically fix the estrogen levels, fix the testosterone levels, get your medicines right, and then start doing therapy. And they got me set in the right path. Okay. And then once they did that, bro, it was like things started changing for me. Right. 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 And uh, therapy. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of EMDR therapy. I have heard that terminology. Yes. Yeah. So I started doing EMDR therapy, man. It's like witchcraft. I don't, I don't understand. I mean, I understand it now, but back then I did not understand how it worked. Uh, but it's, it was very effective for me. Right. To, to help me process some of the traumas. Right. So, um, yeah, I started doing the EMDR therapy. Um, I did a trauma timeline. My counselor had me do a trauma timeline, which she wanted me to recount every trauma, basically that, or you want to call it traumas or, you know, hard times that I'd went through in my life, which everybody goes through hard times. Right. Mm -hmm. So I went, I went all the way back to my childhood, as far as I can remember and did that trauma timeline all the way through. And, um, probably one of the hardest things that I've ever had to do is relive all that stuff. Right. right. Outside the fire state, outside the fire department life, outside of all that. And then my regular life, just everything compiled into one. So we just started breaking down from childhood all the way through the 20 year career that I'd had at that time. Right. Okay. Um, and it was a lot, right. All the traumas that I'd seen, uh, being a fireman, all the traumas that I dealt with as a kid coming from a divorced family, mom and dad split played a huge part in it. Right. Um, just stuff that I'd went through all my life and, uh, breaking that stuff down, processing it and storing it away. And dude, it literally changed my life. Right. Being able to do that. So, um, went through December, I think February, I'm trying to think, I think, I think it was February 12th is when I went back on duty. And, um, when I went back, man, it was, it was, it was a passion. Like I can't let this continue one with our department and not having the correct resources mm -hmm. to be able to help our brothers and sisters out. Right. And that's where it started really was with our own department. I went back, you know, we had a new chief. I think he'd been there a little over a year at the time. And I went in and talked to him and I'm like, Hey, I said, me and you talking, this has got to change. You know, we can't, we can't continue on the, on the same path that we're on as far as the mental health stuff. Right. We need to have vetted clinicians. We need to have peer groups, something that, you know, cause I knew there were, there were other guys that were struggling too. Right. So that's where it started at was with our own department and building our peer team program up. Uh, no funding at first. So he's like, yeah, gave me thumbs up and said, hey, it's yours. Do what you got to do. So we formed our peer team, uh, started doing all the training that I could possibly through the International Association of Firefighters. Um, I took every class that they offered, you know, as far as peer program classes and uh, mental health classes. And uh, for members that don't know, those those classes are free. Right. Okay. So you can go in and take those classes. Uh, one of them is like a basic awareness level class. Um, and then it goes into a more advanced level peer program class that helps you kind of build your program out and teaches you more about the science behind trauma and stuff like that. And then, um, you can do a suicide prevention class through the international. And then one of them is a, um, I can't remember the last one, but it's a basically prepares you for mass casualties where the international can call you in to go help out your brothers and sisters. 
Okay. Like a big event or something like that was to happen. Okay. So you're basically a part of the international associations, uh, peer program. Okay. So, and all those classes are free for members. So that's where it started as far as my training level stuff. Um, so after that, Freeburn kind of, it wasn't Freeburn at that time, but it was kind of, that's where the inception kind of started. Mm-hmm. It was like, man, okay, so we've kind of got us lined out at a department level. Let's see where this goes outside of the department, right? And, and just talking to friends and, you know, other brothers that I know at other cities that uh, work for, you know, Dallas or, you know, surrounding cities, right? Started talking to them and just sharing my story about what had happened to me. It, was, it wasn't something that I wanted just to put down and, you know, say, hey, I don't want nobody to know that this happened to me, right? Because right. I know that it can happen to anybody, right? Um, so I started just kind of spreading the word about myself and just being open, as open as I could about it. And um, lo and behold, people started asking me, hey, can you come in and kind of tell your story to our to our, uh, to our department? And um, I was like, heck yeah, I can do that. And that's where Freeburn got kicked off. Okay. Was actually was actually going into fire departments, fire academies, anywhere that would let me come in and speak and tell my story, and then uh, do a basic awareness level PowerPoint presentation, and uh, just let them know about mental health in the fire service, mental and behavioral health in the fire service. Very basic level awareness level stuff, but it needs to be known, right? And lo and behold, it just kind of took off, man. It's a God thing, you know. God set me on a path and. Here I am, you know, right. the doors opened up and I just keep walking through them. So, and that's, that's all I can do, you know, and then podcast, right. I had no clue about anything podcast. I called a, a buddy of mine now, uh, you, you know, that it <laughs> <laughs> said, Hey brother, I need some help with podcasting. Right. 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 And then it just kind of, I'm not, I'm not a professional podcaster by any stretch of the imagination, but, um, it's the willingness to be able to get on there and have an open conversation with, a, you know, brothers and sisters that have struggled in the past and have gotten to that other side so that other brothers that are, are not there yet or just still at the point to where they don't want to talk about it because of the taboo, the, you know, the stigma end of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, you know, the goal of the podcast is to be able to give a comfortable place for brothers and sisters to come on and say, Hey, yeah, me too. You know, I, I struggled with that crap and, uh, this is how I got through it kind of thing. And it, you know, mental health, man, it, uh, it, it touches so many aspects of people's lives, whether, you know, it, you know, the avenues that we can go to, to, uh, try to suppress some of the stuff that we've seen and done throughout our lives, whether it be bad calls or, you know, family, family stuff or finances or whatever it may be. Right. You know, alcoholism is huge. Pornography is huge. Uh, cheating spouses is huge. There's there's avenues, unhealthy avenues that we go to to try to suppress that stuff, right? And there's a science behind all of it. So uh, just having that conversation, man. And I've seen, you know, people that don't know, you know, go to the podcast and listen. There's guys been alcoholics on there. There's guys that were to the point to where they were, you know, had a gun in their mouth and ready to ready to end it all, you know. And that's just the reality of it, man. You know. Uh, we're losing brothers and sisters every day to suicide, you know, and trying to figure out why, you know, why, why is this happening? You know, it's, it's, it's an epidemic in, in itself. 
you know, I looked at uh, Jeff Dill, Firefighter Behavioral Health Alliance. He does all the tracking for uh, suicides for firefighters, EMTs, and dispatchers. I'm going to look it up real quick. I'll tell you what the numbers are. Okay. So, and I hate to say numbers because those are real individuals, right? right there are, right. there are, there they are our brothers and sisters, man, that feel like they have no other avenue but to commit suicide, right? And 67 firefighters to date, 21 EMS personnel, and three dispatchers. Mm-hmm. So, that's 67 of our brothers and sisters that felt like they had no other option, no other help, but to commit suicide. Mm-hmm. And man, I just, it breaks my heart. Right. One, because I know, I know that feeling what it's like, you know, to feel like you're the only one out there that's dealing with this crap. Right. And not having the right resources is just uncalled for. And there's so many departments out there, you know, the big departments are a little bit better off. They're starting to recognize it a, a lot more, right? Mm-hmm. And right. Peer, peer programs are getting built out through those big departments. But, man, think about all the small departments that are out there that don't have the revenue, right? We were lucky enough in Bought Springs to catch a fund uh, through Dallas County. They they put out a million dollars of ARPA money, which is American Rescue Plan money that came from COVID times, right? They threw out a million dollars for any first responder organization out there that wanted to start a mental health program well as soon as we saw that we snatched some of that money up and got twenty thousand dollars of it so it helped us build out our program so now we have we have oversight in our program we have training in our program uh if if a brother or sister is going through tough times they literally pick up pick up their cell phones go to a website that does our oversight click on a button fill out the information hit send and within minutes or hours Less, I would say probably minutes. I've seen it happen a couple of times where it was minutes. You have somebody calling you saying, hey, what's going on? Let's talk about what's going on with you and let's get you to the right people. So it's it's happening in our department in record time. Mm-hmm. If that would have, dude, if that would have happened for me, who knows? I might not have burned 700 hours of sick time. <laughs> you know what I'm right. saying? Yeah. No, I get it. I get it. So, and that's what it's about, man. It's getting to people quickly, get them to the right resources vetted clinicians that are culturally competent and get them the right health that they need, you know, and it could be as simple as, as a conversation between two peers. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's why I say on my podcast a lot that we, we need to know each other as far as our peers in our, in our, in our uh, stations. Right. I mean, yeah, we're brothers and sisters, but uh, we need to know each other on a personal level so that we can see those changes happening. And when those changes happening, whether, you know, in a negative way or whatever, you see, one, you know, a brother that comes in off of a CPR or something like that, and you see it has affected him in a negative way. Let's sit and have that conversation. You know, hey, brother, what's going on? You know, or, hey, man, that, that call really bothered me if you're, if you're that guy. Mm-hmm. There's something, something in that call that bothered me, right? Let's talk about that stuff and process that information so that we're not carrying it home with us, right? So that's what it's about, man. It's about it, it has to start with us. And a groundswell mm-hmm. with our brothers and sisters at the firehouse and sit down and have that conversation, man. And just, you know, sometimes it's awkward to, to do it, but uh, the impact can be 
Yeah. Forever, forever changing. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. So no, um, one thing I I do like that you mentioned because I mean, you know, back I would say if you have an individual who who's like had they they have suicidal ideation, there might be some other individuals out there who aren't going through that. They're like, what's this individual's problem? Like, why do they want to 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 do that? Why do they want to harm themselves? But one of the key things that I was like, oh, I never, me personally, I never thought about that. You were like, when you went to that um, uh, organization that the Frisco firefighter started, the first mm -hmm. thing they did was look at all your blood counts and all your levels. And I was yes. like, you're right. Like there could be a chemical. And that's the thing. Some individuals, I'm going to say some, might not understand that to get to that point where you're thinking about just ending it all it could simply be because your body has an imbalance in the brain because that's yep. the thing, like our brain, it's like the main, it's the main core of, of, of ourselves, you know, yeah. like yep. everybody has different emotions, different ways of dealing with things. But if your brain is off kilter, if it's not firing in all cylinders, that could lead to that. And that's why I was like, I, me personally, I never thought about that. And I like how you're like, that's the first thing I do. Look at all your blood work, your blood count to make sure, you know, things are going right. Cause like with me, I know every time I get blood, I always know when the results come in, the doctors are going to go, your um, iron levels are low. And it's like, yeah, I'm anemic. And they're like, yep. okay. So, you know what I mean? Yep. So the fact yeah. that, that there is a, that there truly is, I don't know what you want to call it, but whatever that controls the brain and the thoughts that could be something that's low. And, you know, if you fix it, it changes the individual right out. Yeah. Let me, let me nerd out with you real quick and just give you a little bit of science behind it. Right. And I'll try to do it is on my level, a, a fireman's level. Do, so do it for I, fireman, right, right. That, that I can <laughs> understand. Right. And the <laughs> right. way that it's, that it's been taught and explained to me. So basically you have your prefrontal cortex, Right. And that is the part of your brain that's reasoning and everything else kind of gives you who you are kind of thing. The middle part of your brain, um, the caveman part of your brain, OK, is where your fight or flight lies in, so to okay. speak. OK, so and then you have the back part of your brain, which basically you file all your stuff away every day. OK, your, your daily thoughts, so to speak. So. Tones go off right at the station. We go into a fight or flight mode. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the reason that we train and do all the stuff that we do, it becomes second nature to us. So that whenever we go into a fight or flight mode, our training kicks in. Right. So it's almost an automatic for us. That's why we train the way that we do and, you know, all that stuff. So that when we go to that fight or flight mode, we automatically know what we're going to do, basically. Okay. okay. So you're moving from prefrontal cortex into a, fight or flight mode the middle part of your brain um you get cortisol dumps i mean all kinds of chemical stuff goes on in your brain i've heard anywhere from you know eight hours all the way up to, to 72 hours before cortisol levels to level back down right and that's the stress hormone the cortisol level is okay or the cortisol hormone so you think about it it goes back to a 24 48 hour shift if you're one of those dudes that cortisol levels are not coming back down for 72 hours mm -hmm. and you're on a 24, 48 hour shift, you're never resetting, right? You're always in that fight or flight mode. 
Okay. Uh, in turn, you're edgy, you're pissed at everything, right? So you're carrying that stuff home to your to your loved ones, right? And you're you're in that heightened state all the time. You're never coming back down. So that that's another advantage to the 4896 is that you're giving your body more reset time. And then sleep patterns plays into that, right? You're not getting adequate sleep because cortisol levels are are jacked up all the time. You're in that heightened mode. And you know just as well as I do, do you sleep better when you're at the house than you do at the firehouse? I definitely sleep. But I, 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 so like I tell my wife this, I sleep, I tell her I sleep two different ways. I sleep how I sleep when I'm at the firehouse. And then I sleep differently when I'm at home because I don't have to worry about tones. So when I'm at work, I'm sleeping, but my ears always like, I never, I never try to go into that deep sleep. You yeah, know what I'm so saying? You- but one thing that triggered me that you just said, I noticed before when I was younger, it'd be no issue. If we got a call at night and we came back, I can instantly go back to sleep now. Mm-hmm. Nope. I'm, I'm tossing and turning. And sometimes I just give up and I'll go out and work out or I'll just watch something on TV because I cannot fall back asleep. Yeah. That's probably because you're, I mean, obviously you're still in that fight or flight mode. Okay. Your cortisol, your cortisol levels are up more than likely. Okay. I'm, I'm not a doctor, but the way right. that they explain it to me, right. That's what, that's what it is. You're in okay. that fight or flight mode. And it's the, it's the caveman part of our brain. It's, it's instinct basically is what it is. Right. So, and every time the tones go off, think about that. Every time the tones hit, bam, you're going into that mode. Right. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that you're panicking, running around like a, like a rookie. Right. But right. it's just the way that our bodies and brains work. We're going into that mode. Right. And like uh, that adrenaline dump when you when you first got on the fire department, everybody gets it, right? That adrenaline dump, heart rate goes up. You're just like pumped, ready to go, ready to go do your job, right? That kind of subsides over the years for most of us. Mm-hmm. But that cortisol level dump never subsides, right? Yeah. It, we're, we're, that, that's just the way that our bodies work. That cortisol level dump is always going to happen because it's just what it is. You may not get that complete rush like you used to. You know, when you're a one or one year guy or five year guy or whatever, you know, when you've been there for 15, 20 years, you kind of get used to things. But, you know, your your mind is still going to dump cortisol. Right. So long story short. If you're never resetting, you're never processing information. Uh, EMDR mimics REM sleep. And so, what does EMDR stand for? It's eye movement, desensitization, reprocessing. OK, OK. So if you ever watch somebody when they're sleeping, their eyes are moving around, they're in REM yeah. sleep. Okay. It's rapid eye movement. Okay. What they're doing is they're processing all their daily thoughts for that day and storing them away. Right. So you think about it, cortisol levels are high. You're not getting adequate sleep. You're not going into REM sleep. Right. So your brain is not processing traumas information for the day. So you're basically not processing anything. So you're stuck. And you just start ruminating. Like for me, it was almost 50 years. You know, I'm 50 years, 50 years old now. It was 48 years of traumas that I had been through, you know, and just never processed it. You know, the, the way that my counselor basically explained it to me is like, you got a glass of water. Okay. Or you got a glass and you got water. There's everyday stressors, you know, whether it be financial stressors, you know, marital, marital problem, whatever it may be. You just got constant stressors that are ticking, ticking, ticking in that cup. And it's slowly filling up that cup. 
Then, like for me, I go into the fire service. I'll start seeing major traumas, child CPR, whatever. Just the stuff that we willingly do as firefighters, and we accept those things, right? Because that's just who we are. We want to help people. So, but there's still traumas. There's no way around that, right? So, if you don't have healthy avenues to to process those traumas, then stuff can get bad. I did not have, have healthy avenues. I was just blowing and going all the time, you know, doing what I had to do. So, um, eventually that glass is going to fill up and what's going to happen, it's going to overflow. And that's what happened with me. So EMDR steps in and then helps me start processing those traumas. So they're not stuck and I'm not ruminating. My mind would just spin. Like I couldn't, it was just like spinning all the time, which is like, I got to do this. I got to do this. You know, it was always something. Mm -hmm. What if this happens? You know, and it was just, it was just, I couldn't slow down, you know? So, uh, and it it eventually got me. You know, the medicine can help with that some, but uh, truly I think the the best way to do that is one, have healthy avenues, whether it's working out, you know, all that plays, you know, a part, adequate sleep, working out, eating right, which I still suck at some of those. Obviously I'll be the first to admit it, but uh, all those things working in unison can help you out tremendously. You got to have healthy avenues, right. To process stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's the basic synopsis and how it works. Your okay. brain works. Okay. And if you're not, if you're not processing those, that information, um, it's just going to sit there and build. It's a ticking time bomb. You know, uh, it can come out in several different ways. It can come out in anger, right. Being that shift, quote unquote, asshole, excuse mm-hmm. my French, but mm-hmm. it can come out in that way. And you probably know those guys, right. You probably see those guys in the firehouse that are just, you can't hardly live with them. Right. More than likely those guys are dealing with stuff. And we just don't know. We just think that all oh, that dude's he's just an asshole, you know. No, there's there's a reason that he's doing doing some of the stuff that he's doing. Maybe internal, maybe outside of the station, whatever. Uh there's several different reasons. Alcoholism, you know, it plays a part in it. What is what we go drink alcohol, you know, what, what are we doing that for? To suppress stuff, right? Right. Uh drug addiction is big, you know, Adderall, uh, you name it, man. I mean, it's a list of stuff you know, that, that firemen can typically do to try to suppress stuff right. and it just get, it gets out of hand. Right. right. Just like, just like the general public, it's, it's no different for us. You know, okay. if anything, right. we're more apt to it because of the stuff that we do and the stuff that we see. So okay. trying to bring awareness, brother, you know, no, no, I mean, that's, that's like I said, that's great. Cause you know, we, we all know someone that, you know, fits the profile. I mean, yeah, they're always like mean and, and granted some people have bad days, but sure. But when you do this line of work and you truly work with others, like you start to understand habits, you start knowing what they do, why they do it the way they yep. do. And so like after a while, you'll know when something's off. Cause I mean, you know, it, it's, it goes hand in hand. If I fire department's kind of like, your second family. I mean, oh, it absolutely you're there. Is. You're there uh, a quarter of your life. So yep. yeah, you'll definitely know when, when, when something's off kilter with somebody for sure. Yep. Um, but I do, I, uh, I will say one thing I know that that benefits or that I've seen benefited me was uh, prior to the station I'm currently at all other five stations have um our old alerting type system, which they, they, there's a school bell lights come on 
And it's like a jarring effect. And what's funny is I've had conversations with new, like, I don't want to say recruits now, but our new hires where I had one, one conversation where the individual was like, when that station tones go off, like it jerks the individual out of bed, the heart rate is through the roof. And, you know, the individual was saying how the heart's racing, like, you know, yeah. they, have to, they have to calm down. Yep. So, um, one thing I noticed, because I've I've always hated those those, those bells, uh, especially <laughs> especially the location of them, because I understand you want the you want the personnel to know that they have a call, but like certain stations have a bell next to bedrooms. Yeah, uh, I think that's like the worst place you can put those bells, and I I, I believe um, I know that there's talks about it, but I think if more people start pushing it, you know, maybe some things will change. But so our new station. It has a, a an alerting system with a slow ramp up. So when we get a call, the lights come on, but it's a slow ramp and they're all red. So it's yeah. very dim. It's not bright. And yep. instead of having a jarring bell, it's it's like a little ding, ding, ding. I think it's like three dings. And then um, of course you could change the voice to whatever, but our voice is it's a female and she just mm. says ladder six. And I have yet to be startled out of bed my heart rate kind of high because yeah. of that so yep. i also believe we can do our we can do our due diligence to our personnel if we have um i don't know i guess i'm going to call it like slow ramp up alerting systems because yeah. what do you have at your, at your at your firehouse uh we have loud tones they're okay. all dis- they're they're digital digital tones okay. but they're loud you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I've been there for so long. It doesn't really start. You get me used anymore. to it. Right. Yeah. Right. But, it, but I, I know back in the day that it was like, yeah, you got that startle effect, you know, mm-hmm. heart rates up and mm-hmm. you know, I equate a lot of that to just being, you know, newer and excited about doing the job and I still am, but uh, you just get used to it over time. Right. You know, but right. yeah, I agree with you a hundred percent. There needs to be, it's something that needs to be looked at for sure. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Cause I mean, I mean, it could have an effect on all those other chemical levels in your brain. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't, I don't think that there's ever going to be, we're not going to be able to ever just completely get away with the traumas that we deal with. It's just, Absolutely. it's just not going to happen. Right. 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 So, but dude, this has been going on, you know, if you look at Jeff Deal's website, firefighter behavioral health Alliance, um, man, he has tracked it all the way back to, early 1900s on suicide. This has been going on for a long time, right? It's not just this new era of firefighters coming in. Right. You know, granted, we probably run, I would probably safe to say that we probably run more of a call volume now. I don't know than they did probably way back then, but you know, stuff, I mean, the numbers show that even back then, the older heads back then, it was still affecting them. Right. Uh, I'm sure it wasn't talked about then. It's like it's you know oh, right. we're just now we're just now starting to bridge that gap to where it's becoming a little easier to talk about in firehouses, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So but this is not a new issue, man. It's just it's it's more light is being shined on it now because you know we're losing brothers, we're losing brothers and sisters every day to it. Right. So right, you know, I mean, because I know b- back in the day it was one of those things where if you said anything. 
you were called certain words or you were looked at a certain way yep. or so, so hell some individuals just tell you hey cowboy up like suppress suck it, it up suck it suck up, it and, up and, and do and your job uh, yep and let's go to the next one and yeah you know back then that's that's just what you did but then whenever you had issues like you know there, there's a time and a place for that suck it up man there really is right mm -hmm. there is a time and place for that suck it up and let's just get after it and get dirty right uh but after after those calls is not the time where you just say suck it up and do your job right because we're just human beings at the end of the day Right. We're some extraordinary human beings for some of the stuff that we do. Right. I agree with you. I, I would say that 100 percent. But even with that, we're still human and mm -hmm. that there's still stuff that can affect us in negative ways. So let's suck it up and do our jobs when we're out there on that scene, you know, protecting the public and doing the things that we do. But when we get back to the firehouse, let's sit down and have those conversations because there might be one person in that room that, you know, a smell or something he saw or anything, those five senses that triggered him off on a past trauma that happened 15 years ago that he never dealt with. Right. It could be as simple as that. You know, he smelt something on that call 15 years ago and it stuck with him this whole time. And then, when and then he smelled it again on this call yep. and bam, he's right back to that trauma. So yep. now he's dealing with two different traumas. Does that mm -hmm. make sense? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Makes yeah. sense. I mean, and I, I mean, if, if you, if you, if you listen to if you listen to this part and you tell yourself no, you're fooling yourself because I know there's got to be an individual out there who can correlate something from a bad call to if they see it, smell it, hear it again, it brings them back to that call. Hundred yeah. percent. If you've done this profession long enough, you have something that'll trigger you to remind you of shit like a bad incident or whatever. So I am a hundred percent agreement, and I would hope anyone listening could probably shake their head to go yep like i have one thing if i smell this it's over i gotta leave i gotta leave the scene for a little bit regroup and come back so yeah. i agree 100 with you on that airbag smells and the smell of blood with alcohol are two of my triggers right now i have learned over time doing doing the therapy that i've done how to it doesn't bother me it doesn't have that sting like it does not that i ever forget about that stuff mm-hmm but I can smell airbags on a car accidents because, you know, the fatality accidents that I've been on, some pretty, pretty voracious ones, I guess you could say. Uh, I've always smelt that smell, that powder smell when an airbag goes off is what I'm talking about. Right. So that's one of my triggers. Um, alcohol and blood. I don't know what it is, man, but it's like I can smell that alcohol, like drunk drivers or whatever, bad accidents that I've been on, you know, so uh, and, and it brings me back to some of the stuff that I ran on. I mean, heck, dude, I can come in a, right into Balt Springs. Like, I live in Waxahachie. It's 30 miles away. So it takes me about, you know, 30 minutes to get to work. I come in on 635 and 20. I can dang near tell you every spot that we've had a fatality at. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And you're you're going into that every, you know, every third day if you're on a 2448. You know, yep. every third day you're reliving those memories every mm -hmm. single time, every single time. So if you're not processing that stuff, I don't care who you are, man. It's going to eventually it's going to affect you in some way or another, whether you carry it home and you're, you know, to your, to your family and you do, you isolate and separate and you just don't want to, you know, you're just pissed off all the time or whatever. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? Those guys are out there, right? Mm -hmm. I think I've touched every aspect of that in my life. Right. But now I am so much better off than I was two years ago because of, because I tackled that demon, so to speak. Right.
I said, enough is enough. I can't, I can't keep, I can't continue to do this. If I continue to do this, I may not be here for my family and my wife or that job. Right. And I, I'll be honest with you, dude, I was pissed for a long time because, you know, our department not having the resources and I'm not saying anything bad about our department, but you know, I, I was, I was pissed at a lot of things, man. You know, my, you know, guys that I, not the guys that I work with now, but just all the stuff that accumulated over time. Right. And I was mad at myself for letting it happen. You know, I was worried about what my guys thought about me. You know, they're going to perceive me weak. I'm a senior guy on my shift. Mm -hmm. Right. So you got a senior guy that's dealing with mental health issues. Right. He's out of work for five months. Here I come back. You know, what are they going to think about me? Right. So, um, yeah, it, it, dude, it was one of the hardest times of my life. But, you know, now. Those I know that my brothers and sisters at that at my station would go to the ends of the earth for me, right? They've showed me that. And um, I still have good days. I still have bad days. I mean, good days and bad days, but we all do. So right. it, 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 it teaches you grace, right? It teaches you to have grace for those, for those brothers and sisters that you work with uh, when they're having those bad days. It teaches you a whole lot of grace. You're like, okay, you know, maybe something's going on, you know, with that, with that person. Maybe I need to sit down and talk to him about something, you know, have that conversation, kitchen table talk, whatever it may be. Right. So right. we need to get, we need to get back to that, man. You know, I don't think there's enough of that in the fire service. And uh, we've kind of lost that in some sense, in mm -hmm. some departments, mm -hmm. the more people, the more people that I talk to, uh, I, I don't know what it is, why it's happened like that, but I think it's kind of, that's kind of gone to the wayside a little bit. And uh, we need to fight to keep that to keep that camaraderie and that brotherhood and sisterhood and uh, just know one another, man. And just, you know, it's true family. We need to get back to that true family aspect of the fire of the fire service. So, yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I mean, because you, you use the word family, brotherhood, sisterhood. It, it goes hand in hand where if you do have an individual who comes to you in confidence the worst thing you could do is after they tell you go and tell others or get in a group chat and go hey guess who just came up to me with this that that's why that's why i believe it gets the stigma it does because yeah. people people have gotten burned oh absolutely know, by, by going to an individual going, hey man like this is what i got and then in return you're looked at as weak or individuals make fun of you after you leave or, yep. you know, things of that nature. And then it gets back to the person and the person's like, well, you know what? Now, now I've learned my lesson. So I'll just keep my mouth shut. Yep. The, the, the quickest and best way to kill a peer team or another peer. It's a uh, share confidential information. Absolutely. I learned that when I took my, my, my peer support class. Yeah. So that was one of the things to talk about. And it was like, you know, a lot of people have questions. I'm like, well, what happens if the chief comes up to me and they're like hey we need to know this about the individual and my my instructor which was dina she's like tell them okay that's great <laughs> i'm not telling yeah, you nothing <laughs> you ain't getting it for me exactly she's like yeah. if they have issues you give them my number and and i'll talk to them and i'm like all right she's like it's just because they have bugles don't mean that they're privileged to people's information mm -hmm. and nope. i was like copy that i understand it yeah yeah and you know that 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 that's a big thing because people are if, if they have if they have the courage to come to you, the worst thing you could do is as soon as they walk out of the room or leave is go tell somebody that's yeah. in the, you know, that somebody else in the department. And now it, it's it the that trust is broken. Yeah. You're literally, you're literally, literally 
playing with lives by doing that, right? You don't know where that individual's at as far as mentally, you know. So, yeah, you're you're, you're literally playing with lives by going out and sharing information that doesn't need to be shared. You know, that confidentiality is like number one. You got to have that confidentiality. Absolutely. For, peer, for peers. I agree yeah. with that 100%. Okay. You know, our, our officers, uh, very important, man, if they know their people, right? I mean, your officers need to know them just as good as, you know, each, each fireman, how we know each other, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, the buy-in from the top has to be there. You know, there's there's still some some buy-in work that needs to be done at my department, you know, on a, on an officer level. I know that. I, people tell me the conversations that are had on different shifts, you know. Um, I don't understand that, but it does happen. You know, that buy-in's got to be there, right? So they deal with stuff just like we do, you know, on the, on the fireman level. Mm-hmm. Um, so the struggle's real, and um, but we're getting there. You know, it's it's changing every day. So you just gotta keep pushing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, if anybody wants to get a hold of you to come on and talk, because like honestly, man, like talking to like I I I actually find that talking to individuals, whether it's about uh I don't really talk tactics because that's not me, but like anything jam up in the fire service it's like a form of therapy it's it's a oh it absolutely release, is you know what i mean you can get stress out you could talk about bullshit at your job this new <laughs> dumbass sog sop like if you find people you can go and talk to you can relate to man that's 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 one of the greatest things about the fire service so if uh anybody wanted to get a hold of you to come on and talk about their experiences how would they do about how would they go about doing that uh, they can contact us through email, which is uh, freeburn2023 at gmail.com or on our website at uh, freeburn23.com. And uh, you can go in there if you want to be on the uh, podcast or whatever. You got a story that you want to share, uh, contact us through there or through email. And you can reach us through all of our social media platforms too. We're on Instagram under freeburn23 or freeburn2023 and uh, Facebook. TikTok, we're I mean we're on all of them. So podcast is on uh um iHeartRadio, Apple Podcast, Spotify, and then we have our YouTube stuff, YouTube channel also. So okay. yeah, right. any anybody that has that story, man, and wants to talk mental health or their journey and wants to share that stuff, please, man, contact us. We're always looking for people to uh come on and share that stuff and just break that stigma 100 percent absolutely burning the stigma i mean that's 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 exactly what it is it's 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 okay to have issues with certain things you've seen and uh there's no better form of therapy than than, than releasing it i mean you know yeah. it's been it's been going on for 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 many many years i mean look at aa look at uh um you know uh all these other organizations, mothers against drunk drivers, all that, all that good stuff. So it, like, even for me, like if I talk to another fireman about whatever, it's just getting it out there and you feel, you feel better about it. So, um, yeah, it's definitely a form of therapy doing the podcast for me, you know, mm-hmm. just going, you know, having brothers come on and sisters come on and, and, uh, sharing that story, man, you know, you know I can relate to it one and two, I know that I'm not the only one that's had to deal with certain issues like that. Right. So, right. Yeah, it's legit, man. 
And um, like I said, I'm not a professional podcaster by any means, but just having that conversation with those guys, you know, you're having a conversation with another brother or sister. I mean, who better else to talk to about something than somebody that's been in your shoes kind of thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. I get it. Um, Matt, I appreciate you coming on, man. Really do sharing your story. You didn't have to, but it's, I'm I'm sure somebody out there listening will, will benefit from it. Um, and I appreciate you having me on. Oh no, you're, you're welcome. You're welcome. And if anyone's in the Texas area having issues, where would you point them to as a good start, as a good go-to? Man, if, if you don't have a peer program through your department, contact me, get in contact with me. Uh, I'll leave my phone number with you too. Uh, okay. so you can put, put it in the link, uh, podcast link, but we, I have built up so many resources, you know, since, since I've been back and, uh, dude, I hit the ground, ground running. So the resources are there here in Texas, uh, the people that I have talked to on my podcast from East coast to West coast, central America, you know, in the middle of America, mm-hmm. dude, we can get you in contact with somebody, you know, wherever you're at to, uh, to get you to the right help. You know, if we can't, we can find somebody to, that, uh, that can get you there. So yeah, if you're in Texas, we got you, you know, just give us a call and, um, we'll do everything in our power to get you to the right, right place to get help. So, okay, yeah, feel free to call us for sure. All right, man. I, I appreciate you coming on. Thank you. It's been a really good conversation. Yeah. I appreciate it, man. We can go on for hours. I know that, but, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the synopsis of it. And that's what free burns here to do. And just got to keep pushing, man. Absolutely. All right, man. I appreciate you, pal. You bet you. Thank you. Thank you. If any of the listeners out there are or know of a great firefighter who embodies the principles of being a great communicator, goal-oriented, hardworking, humble, passionate, and professional, regardless of rank, career, or volunteer, contact me at studentofthegamefirepodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, stay focused, stay committed, and stay safe.